Good morning. All right. Well, we've uh, decided to be back here with you this month. Missed it last month. I loved uh, hearing Scott's testimony. It was fantastic. He's a great guy, and um, uh, I just I just really enjoyed. I enjoy it every month. I enjoy learning about folks, and I'm really looking forward to. I'm very grateful to have Harvey with us this week, uh, or this month, and uh, I always just enjoy it so much. Um, I was thinking about it on the way in. I was thinking about it on the way in. I was thinking about it's Valentine's Day Day month, right? Month of love. I can see. I can see you guys have already been. You guys are already on it. Cards are bought, chocolates bought, flowers ordered. I mean, if there's a crew that's on it, it's this crew right here. I can just, I, I can see the love in your eyes. So, uh. What day is it again? Oh. So anyways, I figured as a, uh, as a devotional this morning, I was, uh, I would just read a little bit of scripture before we get going. And it's very familiar to all of you. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I have not, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does dis- not, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So, I think that's just such a great reminder. You know, and that's some scripture that we could really revisit on a regular basis during the month of February. I was, uh, you know, I was, I was, uh, and when we get together, one of the visions for this group was to encourage each man to take the next step in his faith walk. And I think a lot of times as men, we focus on what that means in terms of what I'm going to do or what I'm going to achieve or, you know, what I can, what I can put forth, right? But, you know, as I was, one of the things I've been talking to, to people in my sphere of influence, I said, when you set your goals this year in 2016, don't think about what you're going to get. Or even what you can achieve. Think about what you can give 
or what you can be. That would be, I think, more pleasing to God. So, I would say, I was uh, praying for all of us in the way in. There's a, there's a song I love and it says, Set a fire in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. And I just pray that during this month of February, we'll all recognize how much God loves us. And in turn, we'll be, we'll, we'll, in turn, we'll, we'll love others. So, we've got a few opportunities to do that this week, uh, this month. A few things that we're going to talk about. I'm going to invite Bob to come up and, uh, and share with us first. Uh, we're going to do this before we, we, uh, uh, before Harvey, Harvey leads us. So thanks, Bob. Yep. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. I hope everybody's well fed and getting excited. We've got some good things coming down the pipe. First thing I'd like you to do, if you would please, is, is uh, let's watch this uh, two-minute video. We're making a difference in the world. And our job at Action is to walk with people as long as it takes to lead people out of poverty. Action Ministries is all about bringing people in, knowing their story, and then helping them figure out how to turn the next page. And then the solution that we will craft will literally be determined by the responses that we get in the community. People come into a place of hospitality, and if their needs are hunger relief, that's what we provide. If the community has asked for education, then that's what we provide. If they need housing, then that's the solution that we have prepared for them. Everybody needs a plan, but everybody doesn't need the same plan. And I think that's one thing that Action is great at doing, is tailoring the plan for the person. People admire other people for their perfection, but they connect with them at their broken places. And we all have broken places. Often people become poor because they have exercised reckless grace that doesn't always turn out like a storybook ending and that's where we can right the wrongs in those stories people might come because they heard there was a meal but once they enter our doors we are offering them more than a band-aid solution to whatever problem they're presenting that's what we do that's how we make a difference. without 
is transforming the whole dynamic across the region. We're turning the page. That was uh, a very professional video that Action Ministries has put together uh, that they use constantly, and we're going to start using it because I want to announce today that the men's group has formed a very, very strong alliance with Action Ministries, and we're going to be the hands and the feet of what they do, and what they do is lined up here. And all that you see sitting on this table, food costs $30 and goes in that box. It costs Action Ministries five bucks. Thanks to Publix. They pull the food into the warehouse and the hands and feet, us, put them in boxes, get them taped up and get them shipped out to the areas where we can help hunger subside. And that is so important. In the future, we're going to be working with Action Ministries a lot more than we are going to be working with them today. We're already talking about working with their veterans one-on-one to find out what they went through in war, to find out what their restrictions are, to find out what their handicaps are, to find out what they can do to make money, and we're going to help them, one girl or one guy at a time, get a job. Because right now, they're living in Action Ministries housing, and they don't think very well of themselves because... They're not self-sufficient anymore. They served our country. They may have lost a hand, part of a leg. They may have PTSD. We're going to take them and love them and one at a time take them off the poverty roll and put them into a, 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 a job where they can make a difference in their lives and they can start to feel good about themselves. And that's exactly what this is about. And it's the same thing with the food. Yes, we're giving a handout, but our goal is to get them self-sufficient because they have to have jobs to live in the housing so that they can go out and buy their own home. And then we can move somebody into that house that needs a home. And we're going to keep doing that. And we're going to keep doing that. And we're going to keep doing that until we see the homelessness, the poverty, the hunger subside. We just put together a program with Action Ministries to kick that off, and that's why I'm here this morning. I am excited. I am so excited that to see us get going and get started so that we can truly be at RUMC Ministries again, plus bacon. You need your help. Right now, we need volunteers to start packaging these boxes that you see right here with all this food. Dinty Moore, you guys remember this? That goes way back. 
I think you have to be on uh, Social Security to remember this one. What's, uh, what's that? What's wrong with that? <laughs> Not a thing. Because <laughs> I'm there too, man. You know? But I'm excited for the opportunity that they're giving us. Because my goal for Action Ministries is to take that ministry and have the RUMC group become the go-to hands and feet as new things come up. Bob, can you do this? Can you get something like this done for me? Can you do this? We want to be there and work with them. They have a proven record. They're good at what they do. They know how to do it. They've been doing it for 15 years. And now it's our job. Our job is to step up two to three hours a month, guys. Two to three hours a month in different teams. We'll go down to their warehouse off of Howell Mill Road and put these dry goods together. I was looking to see if any of it was mac and cheese. My son's crazy about mac and cheese. It's, uh, I knew that have it. That's good. Yeah. So this morning, I'd like to see you raise your hand. And I'll tell you why we're doing it. We, we, we did a count way back when, but we really didn't have the focus and, and we weren't to the point that we're at today. Today we're at a point where we can start this week, next week, today's Thursday, let's cut us some slack. Next week, we can send five or six or seven guys to do two or three hours of work to pick this stuff off the shelf and put it in that box and move it down the production line to where it gets taped up and sent out to somebody to help supplement the food that they can buy with the job that they have. Obviously, you don't see anything that's perishable up here. So they buy their own perishables, milk, bread, meat. But we need to be joyful because God says, go and do. Get out there and touch lives. And let me tell you, you're going to be, once you start doing this, you're going to be on fire and say, why haven't I done this before? Why haven't we raised our hands before? And then as we progress with this ministry, we're going to see us get into, don't talk to me like that, get into areas where we can really make a difference, where we can reach out and take a vet with PTSD, missing, whatever, they're all missing something, right? I don't, not many of them come back whole and start to get them on the road. They have given so much of what they have in their life and we need to do the same thing for them. We got them all. We got our hands, we got our feet. So, I want to move forward, and I want to 
do another passion transference. I want you guys to feel good about this. Um, Jim Fleming has helped me a lot, and he is ignited because we're going to do something. We're not just going to sit here and eat bacon and eggs and rolls with gravy. It's good, though, boy. Uh, please pray about it. And if you would, Jim, I'm going to ask you to, to go around and get guys to raise your hand. And let me tell you something. If you try it and you don't like it, don't do it again. But if you try it and you feel like I made it, you made a difference in somebody's life, let's do it again. We can do it. I want to see the men's group become the men's ministry again, where we actually have that ministry as the hand and feet of Action Ministries. So I'm going to pass from this place. Um, Jim, if you would... Uh... Oh, come on, guys. Okay, that's a good question. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We got Saturday... They're open. So if you've got a job and you can put in a couple hours in the morning, do it. It's off the Howl Mill. It's not that far. But what they do is good. Because their goal is to eliminate the hunger and the, and the poverty. So please, 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 please raise your hand. Thank you, Bob. So, uh, first of all, I, let's give it up for Bob and, and Jim and others. There's been, a, there's been a group of men that have been faithfully exploring different opportunities, uh, looking at different uh, ways that we can serve. Uh, been, this is, uh, there's been many discussions with Action, and they put a lot of work into trying to identify where any area where they think we can make a difference. And, um, you know, where's kind of the most... Was a, was a good use of, of, of what we have to offer. So I want to thank them for their leadership there. And uh, also I want you to keep in mind, you know, it's a great place to bring kids. You can't bring little kids into the warehouse, but um, brought my 12-year-old down there um, just just a couple of months ago. And, uh, I mean, what a what a great way to, to spend time with your children. You know, what, what's the youngest age? Yeah. I think it's probably like 12. I, I didn't bring my 10-year-old. Um, it is a warehouse environment, um, but uh, I did bring my 12-year-old that makes a difference, right? Yeah. Milton Roswell, they, 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 well, why are we packing these boxes? It makes a big difference. So, All right, with that, there's also a couple of other opportunities. Um, Pam Page uh, is looking for uh, some mentors, uh, some mentors uh, for uh, family moving into um, some of the apartments at the Drake House. So I'll be sending information out to that the group today. If you'd prayerfully consider that as a uh, as well, um, and she's looking not just for someone that would be able, willing to take a mentor, a mentee this time, but someone that would be willing to kind of. She wants a a broader list, if you will. So your number might get called at this time, it might get called another time, and if you need more information on it, you think that this is something, 
I, you know, I'll, I'll give you Pam's email address so you can reach out to her directly. Uh, but that's a fantastic opportunity to, uh, to make a difference, um, in some children's lives. And then also Jerry sent a note out, um, um, that, and I, I will send this, that there are some, we need some help for GIC on uh, Saturday, February 27th. Uh, to do some truck loading and stuff like that. So I'll send that out as well. I want to make sure that everybody noticed that we're actually moved. We're not having a March breakfast. We're having a March breakfast at the end of February. So uh, we're going to tie the men's group in with uh, GIC and uh, um, hope you'll be, be able to join us. Okay. I know your allocation is only one set of eggs and bacon in a month. Uh, you know, we just have to skip next month, right? So, and then you can tell your wife how good you did. All right. Um, with that, Harvey, thank you so much for being here today. Um, Harvey, just so excited to hear what you have to share. And uh, we appreciate all that you do here at uh, Roswell and uh, and your ministry. And, um, yeah, it's a blessing to have you. And, and it's a blessing to have you with us today. So please come share with the men. Thank you. It's good. Huh? It's good to be here. As my friend Malone Dodson says, at my age, it's good to be anywhere. <laughs> it uh, when when um, when Tim called me and asked me to uh, come and share with you this morning, he said, Harmony, you you can talk about whatever's on your heart and wherever the God leads you." But he said, "We the guys would really, I think, would really like to know more about you." And for you to make it personal, maybe share something of your faith, your faith story. And I'm good with that. I, 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 I love to share my faith journey. The, the problem I have is that I've been here uh, a little over 10 years. It'll be 11 years that my, Charlotte and I have been connected with the church and on the staff here. And uh, in August, it'll be 11 years. So, and I've done this, I've done this kind of thing a number of times in sermons and Sunday school classes. So you say, well, you know, what can I say that's not repetitive? But um, then I thought (laughs) there are different ways to share your faith story. There really are. And every time I do it, it comes out a little bit differently anyway. But um, so I'm going to do that this morning. And um, I... I'm going to share with you the things that really make me tick spiritually. Because to get to know somebody, I think that's really, um, really what you need to know. You need to know the things that have that impacts a person's life, the things that have, that influence a person's life. And so, what I want to share with you, what I'm calling this is, what is for me the best of the good news. I've been uh, when I've been, pa- I've been a pastor and since I've become a, since I've been a pastor, I've been in the good news business, huh? It's been been there for over fifty years now. In fact, as Christians and as members of God's church, all of us are in the good news business, and we need to remember that. And we especially need to remember it sometimes when we hear a little negativism. But we're in the good news business, folks, and. And so, the, you know, as I thought about this and what to share with you, I think, I said, Harvey, what you need to share is what is for you. This will help them, people to get to know you better. What is for you the best of the gospel? 
word gospel means. Good news, right? So what is the best of the good news? And, and uh, what am I supposed to hush right here, Tim? Tim, give me a time. A little before eight, so we're going to have some discussion down there. Okay. Uh, see, I'll keep me if I go over time. Don't just look at your watch, but hold it up and shake it or something. So. <laughs> Let me tell you, the, the most important thing to me, the thing that has influenced my life and impacted my life from the very beginning, more than anything else, and this won't surprise you, and in fact, I'm, I'm sure I could get some amens on, on this one, but this is the most important thing of all in relation to the good news, and that is the reality of the grace of God. Man, when you think about that, yeah, the word grace, grace, I don't think we, we understand sometimes what grace is. Grace is more than just God's love. Grace is undeserved love. That's the definition of it. I mean, none of us, none of us guys are good enough for God. None of us are. We try, we work at it and we try to, we try to do the things that God would have us do and that, and we and and we do those things. The action ministry, we do those kinds of. But we make mistakes time after time. All of us do. And yet God loves us anyway. We we don't really deserve it, but God loves us anyway. And now let me tell you. Let me share with you how that grace became real to me. And I've shared this again. And some of you heard it. And if you've heard it, just be patient, and you'll hear some new things too, maybe. But, uh, I was, I was 19 years old, had, uh, was, had finished two years of college. I was at, went to Georgia State University. Now, at the time, it was Georgia State College of Business Administration. But I'd finished two years, 19 years old. I'd been raised in Christian family. Mama, mother and father were Christians. We were church going folks and, um, that was my background. Finished two years of college, and I had no idea what I wanted to do. No idea. I thought about different things. I know Mike, Mike at one time said that he thought about going into the dentistry. I thought of that too, Mike. That was one thing that entered my mind. Hey, that, that might be pretty good, you know. And I thought about becoming an architect. And all, but nothing really seemed to click with me. Nothing. <coughs> And it was time to declare a major. Well, I'd taken a course, I'd taken psychology 101 and I liked it and I said, well, maybe that's what I need to major in. So I did and it turned out to be a pretty good major for what I did. But, um, <laughs> but I didn't know where I was going. Didn't know what to do. And then some things happened. I was part of a, I guess you'd call it college age Sunday school class at my church and I was a member of Mary Brennan Methodist Church over in the Sylvan Hills area of Atlanta. It's closed now, it's no longer no longer an active church. But I uh sitting in a Sunday school class and teacher's name was Bob Bryan and I don't remember what he said in that lesson except for the very last part of it. He must have been during the Lenten season because I remember the the topic was the, the the crucifixion and atonement, the meaning of the cross. And he ended the class that Sunday by by looking at us and he said, 
he said, young, young folks, he said, uh, Jesus died for you. Now, what are you going to do for him? Well, that's, that statement stuck in my mind like a burr. I, I, I couldn't get it out. And so I thought about it. I thought about the grace of God. That undeserved love. God, could you really, you really love me that much? Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He was the revelation of God. It, does God really love me that much? Does he? And I thought about that. And then, and then uh, God used some people in that church. That's what he does, you know. And, and he used some people in that church to, to speak to me and, and he began to work the process. And people would come to me and say, Harvey, have you decided what you're going to do with your life yet? Where are you going? No, not, I hadn't really. And then a good friend of mine who, um, had answered, already answered God's call in his heart. And in fact, he's a retired pastor, lives in Watkinsville. Now he's a retired Air Force chaplain. But, uh, he was in the church with me and we were talking one day about vocation, where we were going with life. And he said, Harvey, have you, he knew my struggle. He said, Harvey, have you ever thought about going into the ordained ministry? I said, no. No, not me. And it wasn't that I, I didn't think I was, and it wasn't that I thought I was too bad to do it. It was that I was shy. I was so shy. I, I was kind of, I was a kid who, I, I didn't want, you know, when the teacher asked questions and people were raised there, I didn't want to do that. In fact, I didn't want the teacher to look at me and ask a question because it brought attention to me. I was shy. I said, no, I'd, I'd never do that. Could never do that. But then something happened one Sunday night. This was back when Methodist churches had Sunday evening services. And uh, we had a Sunday night service and I was there. And the pastor, who was Lee Branham, I did, Mike, you might know, remember Lee. Lee passed away a few years ago. But he preached a sermon and he did something that he didn't always do on Sunday night or at any time really. But he gave an altar call. And uh, it wasn't just, uh, if, you, if you're ready to join the church, you're ready to do that, you know. And uh, we, we invite you to come forward make that known to us. But he invited, he said, if, you, if there's something you need to talk to God about, uh, something you want to discuss with the Lord, he said, the altar is open we're going to sing a hymn, and you're invited to come down and and meet meet the Father here. And folks, I'm going to tell you, uh, you've heard of people talking about hearing a voice. I heard a voice as I as I stood with the hymnal and we began to sing. And um, it was, I know, it was a voice speaking to me in my mind, but it was as clear as a bell, and I heard it, and it was personal. And what had happened is that God had taken those words of that Sunday school teacher and he had, he had aimed them right at me. And as I stood to sing, what I heard was, Harvey, I died for you. Now what are you going to do? What are you going to do for me? And the love of God, folks, I saw at that moment the love of God burning on that cross, burning like white heat. And that love reached out and pulled me out of myself. I moved out from that pew and I walked down to the, to the 
altar and I knelt there and began to pray and I gave my my life to God and and specifically to become one of his ordained pastors. And uh, Lee Branham, the pastor, came over. He knew the struggle I was going through. He came over and he knelt beside me and he said, Harvey, would you like me to pray with you? And I said, yeah, I would. And, and we talked a lot after that. But it was... What what happened, folks, is that... Uh, what happened that night is that that God's grace got through to me and His purpose for me became very clear. What happened is that that night I said yes to God. Uh, his love and His call drew that yes out of me. Love is, that kind of love, that kind of grace is contagious. It's contagious. Once you, you experience, once the Holy Spirit makes you become aware of the fact that God truly loves you, it does something to you. You want to get down on your, take off your hat and get down on your knees because you know you're on holy ground. And that's what happened. His love and His call drew the yes out and it changed me. When you, you really experience God's love, it'll do that to you. I want to, let, let me share this story and I've used this illustration before and you've heard, if you've heard me preach or anything, you probably heard it, but again, be patient. Because it fits so closely my own experience, and that's why I love it so. It's Martin Luther, you know, the saint of the Reformation. It, 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 it's a true story, but Luther was in his study in Germany one day, and he was reading and writing, he was meditating, and he looked up on the wall, and there was a crucifix. And they had been there before. He didn't, he didn't, wasn't just put up there that day, but, but, uh, but that day, <coughs> It did something to him. And he later wrote these words. He said, as, as I looked at it that day, I began to say over and over again, he died for me. He died for me. He died for me. He died for me. He said, I must have said it a hundred times. And every time I said it, it had a different meaning. But he said, I was never the same again. And that's what happened to me, you see. Grace, you see, is a great motivator. And we need that. Grace is what shifts the momentum. We like football. You know, you watch football game. Now, Super Bowl is coming up, signed in. I want you to watch for this. The momentum in the game. It'll change, right? It changes. You'll have one team just dominating, you know, and they'll be running the ball. They'll be taking it down the field and the defense will be stopping the other team and they'll score a couple of touchdowns. And the momentum is there with this team. And then all of a sudden something happens. There's a fumble on the Two yard line. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> Maybe. There's a fun. The other team picks up the ball and, and they, they run the whole length of the field. The, run, the, the fellow picks it up and he runs the whole length of the field, scores a touchdown, and all of a sudden the momentum changes. And then the other team, you see, then they begin, they begin to dominate and the momentum shifts back and forth. We, we, we need the momentum. We need that motivation. We need it. 
in a uh, university one day, a student turned up before his counselor with a report card. It was um, <laughs> it was a straight D report card for the second time in succession, and he went he went to the to uh, the counselor and he said. I've talked to the dean of men and now I'm talking with you and, and there's something wrong with you that you can't motivate me. <laughs> you know, of course, we know that the fault was not with the faculty. But you know, in one sense, in one sense, he was right. He was because the, the problem was inside. He needed something to fire him up and all of us need that, you see. I needed that and all of us need that, something to change us, to move us from what we are to what we can be. Well, let me put that another way. To move from what we are to what, what we can be and what God wants us to be. I think Gone with the Wind premiered the year I was born. Which is 1939. I'll tell you, I'm 76 years old. Be 77 this year. But uh, and I didn't, of course, read the book itself until much, much later. I was maybe in high school, maybe in college. I don't know. But it was a fascinating book, and and I was interested in what uh, Margaret Mitchell and her character Gerald O'Hara. Um, he was the old plantation. Owner, and she said this about him. She said, there wasn't anything from without that could lick him. But there were a lot of things from within that did. The truth was, he was just mean. Uh, he was mean. In fact, they couldn't even get anybody to say something on his behalf at his funeral. And finally, they got one of his friends to say a word. He had this one sentence. He said, he wasn't always as mean as he was sometimes. <laughs> he needed something to motivate him. He, said. he needed something to get that momentum going, a change in his life. And that's what God's love does. Once we experience it, which is why we have to put ourselves in those places and why we have to practice the, the, what's called, what I call the disciplines of faith because of Bible study, a prayer, a prayer life, those kinds of things, this kind of meeting, those kinds of things open the door. They become ports of entry where God's love can come in and we can become aware of it. That, that's what God's love does when we experience it. It pulls us out of ourselves and it motivates us to living in a new way. And that's the second thing that I want to share with you. And maybe the last thing as I look at as I look at the clock. But uh and this is important too and this too is another thing that I that for me is the best of the good news and that to me has impacted my life and uh and that is let me put it this way. When I gave my life to God, to living for Him, to living for Him, it gave me something worthwhile to live for. It gave me a purpose. And that, fellas, is one of the keys to happiness, to, to real joy in life. If you don't believe as preacher, 
than believe one of the great psychologists, Alfred Adler. Adler said there, he said there are three keys to happiness. Number one is someone to love. We need someone to love. Number two is um, something to hope for. Some, we need to anticipate something. And the third one is something worthwhile to live for. We all need that. And that, dear friends, that is, if you're a Christian, if you've given your life to Christ, you've got that. That's good news. That's good news. To have something worthwhile to live for. It puts joy in your step. Happiness in your day. Jesus said, Jesus said, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. And that didn't come home to me at first. You know, I thought, I've, I've accepted Christ as Savior. I've made a commitment. But I think I read a book. Somebody asked me not long ago, Harvey, what's your, what, what's your most favorite book you ever read? And I guess it'd have to be a book by um, a Bible scholar by the name of John Bright. It was called The Kingdom of God. As I read that book, and I became aware as I read it of, of what the church really is. I, I thought of the church, you know, as just when you become a Christian, you join this, and it's kind of like a club, and everybody's in there, and we do good things, and we go to worship, and but it's more than that. Paul, Paul said it. Paul said, he said, you, you, you church, you are the body of Christ. Martin Luther said every Christian is a little Christ. It, you know, uh, Philip Yancey, uh, in uh, one of his books, uh, Vanishing Grace, and he talks, he talks about God's divine drama in history. He does it, he's talking about the Trinity, and he uses, he relates it to the Trinity. But he says, uh, God's work in history, it's, it's a divine drama in three acts. Act one is, is the work of, uh, of the Father. You know, and, and we read about that mostly in the Old Testament. You know, God speaks to Abraham and calls Abraham and Moses and the people of Israel through different persons and then the prophets and all that. That's the Father at work. And that's act one. Act two, you know, we get in the Gospels. And that is the Incarnation. That is that God didn't just speak and work through these different people, but God enfleshed Himself. The Word became flesh and came to live among us. That's Act 2. And a lot of us, here's where a lot of us want to stop. We saw, we, I've accepted Christ. I'm a member of the church and whatever that means, a member of this club. And, 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 and that's the end of it. That's great. You know, hallelujah. But there's another act, Act 3, and you're part of it. We're part of it. Act 3 started at Pentecost. Act 3. When the Holy Spirit came. Jesus said, I'm going to go, but the Father's going to give you Spirit. And the Spirit comes and fills us and empowers us. And we become, oh, I, I use the term and I know it's not quite right. You have to be careful with it. I say we're the continuing incarnation. Not really. We're a witness to the incarnation. The, the Spirit of God is working. 
in our midst. It's how it's how the gospel gets universalized. Jesus was a one human person who lived on this earth at a particular place in a particular time span. How do you how do you universalize that for all time? Let me um, let me read you what Philip Yancey's words about that. I'm going to just read part of this. He says, in three years, though in three years Jesus managed to change history forever, while on earth he affected only a few thousand people in a region the size of a small New England state. He did nothing for the needs of China or Australia or South America or even Europe. All that would come later through the work of his followers. As Jesus told them in words that barely sank in at the time, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things because I'm going to the Father. We bumbling pilgrims, you and me, we're, we are the Jesus left behind after the ascension, the heirs of God's Spirit. Paul said, you're the body of Christ. You're the temple. The Spirit's in you. Well, I'm going to... Got a lot more that has to do with good news, but I'm not going to share it all with you. Don't have time. But let me let me tell you this. And I've used this too. This is another illustration I've used again and again. When I share my faith and I share these things that have meaning for me, but be patient if you've heard it. But it's it's just... Um, it's some words that can come from uh, John Maysville's play, The Trial of Jesus. There's a scene in this play where uh, he has he has Pilate's wife talking to one of the soldiers, the Roman soldiers who guarded the tomb, and uh, she says she says to him, "What do you think of this man, Jesus?" And um, he says, well, lady, when a man believes in something enough to die for it, he'll get a lot of others to believe in it too. And she says, do you think he's dead? And he says, no, lady, I do not. And she says, well, where do you think he is then? And he answers, let loose in the world where no one can stop him. And how is he let loose? In us. And uh, as, as we engage in, in things like action ministries and as we love, as we love, that's the key to everything. You read that devotional. As we love one another, Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you, so you are to love one another. Wherever you are, whether it's an ordained minister or businessman, professional, whatever you do, wherever you are, if you're a Christian, that your call is to love and let Christ loose in this world. And that's your mission, man. That, that's your, that's your purpose. And that's good news. That's good news. I'm going to stop here. I I don't know if we have time or not to have a discussion around table 10, do we? You tell me.
Yeah, we got five minutes. We got five minutes. All right, what, just in your table, take these five minutes, these last five minutes we have, and I'll let you call them stop. But just talk about what to you, what to you is the best of the good news? And why? Take five minutes and do that. God bless you. Thank you, Harvey. All right, good morning, everybody. Um, <clears throat> rich discussion there at our table, for sure. Um, uh, you know, the thing, one of the things I love about the good news, I'll just share mine, is uh, in Psalms it says over and over and over again, it says um, God is good and his love endures forever. And I love the words good and I love the word endures because he needs to endure, <laughs> right? And... uh and and forever, you know, it's never changing. So um, I'm sure I hope you had an opportunity to share with your table as well. Um, something that that uh, is special to you. Can we give it up to Harvey for his? Uh... Not just his ministry, but his inspiring message this morning. So I'm going to ask Harvey to close us out in prayer. But before I do, I just want to thank you for being here today. May. Uh, Hopefully, uh, Harvey's message and what Bob had to share will set a fire in your soul that you can't contain, you can't control, and you'll and you'll want more of more of God. Okay. Kind Father, we we're we're grateful for so much, and uh, the good news is truly good news. Help us to always remember that we're. We're in the good news business and to remember all those things that you've made possible for us for grace and love and enduring love and grace. It's just good to know that we're in your hands every moment of every day and that you guide us and lead us and use us and help us this day, we pray, as we go our separate ways to be faithful, to be open to where you would take us and to be good witnesses of the good news. We make our prayer in the name and in the very spirit of Jesus our Lord. Amen. 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 Amen.